Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. You can tweet along with us, hashtag on the Wet Coast. You can follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, that's cat with a K, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. You can email us, info at OnTheWetCoast.com. Autonomy is a challenging subject for many of us. We're encouraged to be independent, while at the same time we're told that putting the needs of the people we love above our own is the definition of love and noble sacrifice. Most of us make life decisions based not only on how they affect us personally, but how they affect the other people in our lives. Even if it doesn't seem like it, we choose how much we let other people's needs and wants influence our decision-making, and how much autonomy we claim for ourselves. Romantic and sexual relationships challenge autonomy regularly, and in non-monogamy, that challenge can be ever-present. On this episode of On the Wet Coast, Kat and I are discussing autonomy and non-monogamy, how emphasizing autonomy for yourself and your partners serves your relationships, and the tricky situations and consequences that can come up related to owning your independent self. Welcome. Glad to have you listening. So, uh, what is autonomy? Well, if we go to the dictionary, merriamwebster.com defines autonomy as it relates to a person as self-directing freedom and especially moral independence, or more simply, the state of existing or acting separately from others. Well, that's pretty fancy. <laughs> so what are we talking about in relation to relationships and, um, and non-monogamy? Well, a lot of what we're, we're talking about with autonomy is the ability to act as an individual, regardless of your relationship structure. So whether you're in, um, you know, a dyad, triad, or many different various relationships that you have the ability to to live your life for you despite the people around you um the influence they have but not necessarily that you that you have to do everything based on their needs and wants but you get to live your life based on your needs and wants right so that um you have you have the right to make uh, choices for yourself and that, and to make requests of other people about your needs. And, yeah. and, uh, so, um, how does it come up in relationships? Well, it's autonomy comes up even in monogamous relationships or even in relationships that you have with your family, with your kids, with, with other things like that. It's, you know, deciding if you're going to go to the office party with your partner or, you know, are you willing to go to someone's place for a holiday dinner? Are you going to travel to see your family for that? Are you going to take the day off work to take your kids to the doctor? Like all of these things come up where, you have to make these decisions. Right. Are you even going to have kids? Are you going to travel because someone gets a job opportunity? Yeah. Um, there's, I, 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 talking about going to, you know, office dinner party, that kind of thing. It reminds me of a friend of ours who 
basically, um, his partner would never ask him to do anything that he didn't want to do because he would just make everybody miserable in the process. Yeah. And that is, that's a really crappy way to, <laughs> to deal with it. Because if he'd spoken up and made the choice to not go as opposed to punishing everyone, it's, it's a rather passive aggressive way of dealing with it. No, it's, it, I, I think, I think a, a no is better than a shitty yes any day. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've seen relationships where it really does appear that the person doesn't have the option to say no, and this is their way of acting out against it. But this stuff still can come up in relationships where the no would have actually been okay. And, or, you know, it might have been like, not, not okay in the yay, I'm happy about this, but okay in the like, our relationship will survive this. <laughs> yeah, we might have a tense couple hours or afternoon and then, then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I think one of the side effects of uh, suppressing your own needs um, in, you know, uh, in order to to serve your family or your partner is that it does spill out. It spills out yeah. in those resentments and, you know, bad moods and snide remarks and those passive aggressive remarks about, you know, how I, I, I do all the work around here and, yes. you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, that does crop up a lot for people when they're not they're not stating their own needs. They're not serving, um, serving their own needs. Wow. That's a lot about one's own needs. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just, they're not feeling fulfilled and they're not getting what they need to, to feel like they're supported and, and all that sort of thing isn't happening for them. And so, yeah, those like petty digs tend to come up and, and we're taught to suppress those things and we're taught that this is what relationships look like. Mm. We're like, we're taught the nagging wife with the honeydew list and this sort of thing. And the guy who really, you know, wants to just watch football, but grudgingly goes along with these things. Like we're, this is what we see represented for relationships a lot of the time. And it's not a surprise that, that these are the kinds of things that, that come up. So, um, you, you talked a little bit about situations where it feels like you don't have a choice when you know that your partner is not going to accept your no. Um, and, um, you know, but the, the reality is that you, you do have a choice no matter how much you think that you don't. It's just that you are unwilling to deal with the potential consequences. Yeah. And in some cases, our partners are not being fair to us in terms of the way that they react to, to our choices. Yeah. And somewhere I've seen this come up is, is not necessarily to do with, with romantic relationships, but with family dynamics, like for holidays. Right. Um, so people will be talking about, you know, having to go to their, to their parents for Christmas or for whatever holiday they're celebrating and how much they don't want to go, how much chaos it is, how much they really want to just celebrate at home and have a quiet time, but they're, they've got to make this trip or even, you know, just the two hour drive, whatever it is, and really inconvenience themselves. And when I've said, like, have you thought about maybe just 
staying home and, and asking your parents to come to you or just saying, well, this is what we're doing this year. We'd love to have you. Great. Um, people are like, oh, no, I couldn't do that. And I just sort of find myself, but you could. You could, like, yeah. You know, you're, you're making this choice. And I understand that the family dynamics are tricky. And, you know, some, some parents are incredibly demanding and there's a lot of guilt trips and there's a lot of all these things, but they only have the power that we let them have. And so this, this can come up in relationships a lot where, where like, I couldn't possibly do that. It's like, well, you could, but there's a cost and, and we'd never gloss over the fact that there is a cost to doing this, but there is a cost to not doing it as well. No, I mean, no, no matter how trapped you feel by your, your family and, and loved ones, you could, um, you know, pack a U-Haul and cross country and never talk to any of them ever again. And, you know, or run off to Mexico and leave your, your husband and, and children behind. Um, it's just that you don't actually want to do that. You, yeah. But, you know, you are, you're never as trapped as, as you feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of, a lot of what people do uh, when they're subverting their own autonomy is they're trying to avoid negative consequences, right? Yeah. They're, they're trying to avoid, you know, rejection or, uh, or conflict. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my feelings about avoidance is that, uh, you're never actually, you're never actually avoiding the consequences. You're actually just deferring them. So any of the conflict, uh, around, you know, what you actually want to do, how much you want to, you know, participate in certain things, those consequences are, you know, you, that you're going to have to pay that bill someday. Yeah. So in, in non-monogamy, there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for us to, to really test our autonomy because, mm -hmm. you know, there may be, you know, differing ex expectations between our, you know, with our partner, um, and, you know, and, and the unexpected feelings, you know, and so yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the things we do to sacrifice, to, uh, you know, defer our autonomy are to, to try to spare our, our partner's feelings yeah. to protect the, you know, the, the, uh, the relationship from threats. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, some examples might be, you know, who we're allowed to date or play with. Um, yeah. You know, and, and one example that you brought up is, you know, whether, whether your partner likes or approves of some of the people you play with. Yeah, for sure. And that, that has come up for us. And we, I definitely can consider us to be a couple of people who, you know, behave fairly autonomous, autonomously most of the time. Um, we're very considerate of each other's feelings, but I don't really feel like either of us lives our lives going, well, I couldn't possibly do that because, you know, <laughs> Flick would have this feeling about this. Like, I think we generally uh, work fairly well through all that. But, but yeah, we've had times where, we each of us has known that the other person hasn't been fond of a play partner and it has ended up changing our behavior toward that play partner, even though, you know, each of us hasn't really said you're not allowed to play with that person or, 
or anything like that. There's never been rules like that, but the, the negative feelings toward it has, has colored those relationships. Well, I mean, that, that sense of, that sense of disapproval, um, it, it can, it can have the result of you, you know, um, feeling judged by your partner for yeah. who you, who you choose to spend your time with. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, like, a, like a lot of things, you know, you, you, you want your partner to respect you. Yeah. And if they, if they don't respect one of your other partners, then you've, you know, you you feel, you feel kind of painted with that same brush. Yeah. You feel sort of the spillover of that. And yeah, so it's, it's tricky because I always want to say like, please play with who you, you want. Because, you know, I want you to enjoy the, the people that you feel connected to, but sometimes I'm really not going to feel connected to that person. And yeah, that's going to spill over, um, into those, into those relationships. And it, it can be a really tricky thing. Yeah. I, you know, one, one of the things that's interesting though is how in those situations, you know, some, some extra and direct communication can make a big difference, yes. right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about a, a partner that you, you really kind of, uh, disliked and didn't really understand, you know, at all what the, you know, what it was that, that made me feel drawn to and connected to this person. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so we never really talked about it that directly. And, you know, until, till finally I, I just, I just said, you know, well, this is, this is why I feel, you know, a special connection with them. And I feel like it really changed your feeling towards them and towards my connection to them. For sure. Because I'd spoken a few times about my feelings and what that person brought up for me. And you had, you hadn't ever made it clear to me what your feelings were and, and, and how the two of you had clicked. And, and yeah, once I saw that, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's great. And it, it yeah, it shifted for me. And I'm not saying that I'm going to be you know, that person's, you know, biggest cheerleader, <laughs> but I, yeah, it, it really, I saw something very different in that connection because for me, the, the dislike that I was having was a lot of it based on, her behaviors that she had that, that are things that I really try hard not to do and, and kind of look down on when people behave that way because it sort of feels unfair that other people get to behave that way when I work so hard to never be kind of selfish like that and, and that kind of thing. So there was this, like, you like that person for, and they do this, but when you explained all the other things, it, it was just so clear and, and a lot of that threat dropped away and I, I felt really good about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's, I, I think it's important that we acknowledge that, you know, even though each of us gets to decide for ourselves who we're going to have relationships with, it's unrealistic to pretend that there may never be consequences for those choices. Oh yeah, it's, you know, you don't exist in a bubble. You don't exist in a bubble. It, you know, the, and our, and some of those choices may involve our partner saying, "I don't know if I want to be in a relationship with somebody who's in this relationship." Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of the, you know, that's the ultimate expression of autonomy is, you know, I'm I'm out. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and, and so that, you know, that's not just the choice of partners, but it may, it may have an impact on play style when you're talking about, yeah. you know, swinging or casual dating. Um, 
you know, we, there's, there's sort of a lot of terminology and, uh, you know, in open relationships, you know, mm-hmm. uh, same room play or, uh, soft swap versus full swap. And mm-hmm. if we as a, as, uh, partners have different ideas about where those boundaries are, yeah. then, um, then it's probably going to come into conflict. But, you know, we, we really, you know, that's something we have to negotiate together, not, not necessarily just defaulting to whoever's moving the slowest. Yeah. And that is really, especially when we're talking about relationships where it has been an established, like an established dyad, an established couple who are opening up. So they were, you know, maybe monogamous at one point and then they're moving into a different uh, relationship style that, that that is definitely trickier. And leads to a lot more discussions about, you know, how things are gonna, are gonna look. And very often it does default to the person who's moving the slowest, which, you know, is, is kind of the most considerate way, (laughs) but that can also become a bit of a, a trap sometimes where people get just stuck in a rut because they, like one of the people doesn't actually want to move forward or 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 they they do want to move forward but they are waiting until they have no doubt or fear. Yeah, oh yeah, that's really right. Right? And like yeah. like we've we've met we've met people you in particular you've you've uh, gone out um to meet couples who have in theory been open for years. Yeah. But in practice nothing has happened because they they you know they've the, you know the the anxiety has has just been been a barrier. They've just moved so slow that they've they stopped moving. Yeah. And yeah, that 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 waiting until all of the bad feels go away. Because that it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um you will be waiting forever. Because even in monogamous relationships, those those weird jealousies and, and things come up mm-hmm. from time to time. So yeah, it it definitely can can halt things entirely because they they're just yeah stuck in 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 waiting for for the magic time where just everything feels good and newsflash even when ninety percent of it feels good <laughs> yeah there's still gonna be surprises yeah. yeah yeah and you know I think um you know we we obviously want to be considerate of our partner mm-hmm. and you know and their needs to to feel safe um but you know we also want to we you know we want to nudge them and encourage them them to grow so you know that's that's the tricky thing about autonomy is balancing our you know uh what we want versus our desire to you know to take care of our partner mm-hmm. um you know, so, so my feeling in, in these situations is that, um, you know, as long as you are, you know, I, ideally you want to be completely happy making whatever accommodations you are for your partner, mm-hmm. but you probably won't be completely happy if you aren't completely happy, but you're willing to do it anyway. I think you should express it exactly like that mm-hmm. so that, you know, it's like, you know, this is, this is not what I want, but I'm, you know, I'm totally willing to support you and go along with this. Um, you know, but I, I do have some feelings and resistances about this or say, you know, okay, what would you think about me moving at a different speed? Yeah. Yeah. And this, this did come up for us when we had first 
opened our relationship and we were talking about BDSM play with others and you had expressed that you were not comfortable me doing that with other men uh, in a submissive role. And, and yeah, I definitely had some resistance to that and yet I totally understood, you know, it's my body. I get to do what I want with it, but I chose to respect your feelings in that because that was more important to me, you feeling good about about where we were going for this, rather than just being like, no, I get to do what I want. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, potentially having the trust not really be there and, and it being a lot harder for us to move forward in general with an open relationship. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that was really key with this was the fact that you were really clear about the fact that this was a bit difficult but you were, you were willing anyway. And, and I never, I never felt like I was telling you what you were going to do. I was really just expressing, yeah. you know, sort of my feelings around some, some of these activities. Yeah. And so I think that that, you know, those two things, us both being honest about it, yeah. you know, really helped us, you know, both to, you know, to, uh, to make that, that compromise and for things to, to shift for both of us on mm-hmm. a lot of, on a lot of different things. On a lot of different things. And, and yeah, just knowing that that trust was there, that that support was there, yeah. uh, that the respect was there. And you explained in, in really reasonable detail what was pinging for you on that. It wasn't, you know, just like, no, my woman doesn't do this. <laughs> like there was a lot of really, really reasonable thoughts behind it. And, yeah, my my respect for you is so strong that I just I knew that 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 was something that I that I wanted to wanted to um boy, I've just got no words today. <laughs> I have the best words. <laughs> I think Donald Trump took all my words. <laughs> Fuck. Um yeah, so I just I wanted to support you in that and and it, and it wasn't it wasn't such a loss to me that that I couldn't go on that you know this was like the one and only thing that I wanted out of non-monogamy you know was doing this or anything like that like it wasn't it wasn't a loss to me that I that I couldn't survive um yet I understand in in some situations for people there are like absolutely like a situation like this could come up and it is like the one and only thing that the person wants. And they, well, we've been very fortunate that we've, you know, really been in sync a lot of the time in terms of what we wanted out of an open relationship, but that might not necessarily be true. It might not always be true for us. And it's certainly not true for, for all relationships where, you know, um, you know, one partner, may may actually want you know serious polyamorous relationships and falling in love and the other person isn't okay with that you know Mm -hmm. they they really they really want you know casual sex and friends with benefits and the you know the idea of falling in love feels very scary and threatening Mm -hmm. um and you know sort of at the extreme end of it is where um where one couple actually doesn't want an open relationship and the other person uh, does not want a monogamous relationship. Yeah. And, you know, and so that's, that's really tricky. That's, um, but you know, uh, as autonomous beings, ultimately we, we get to decide what type of relationships we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And things that, that came up for us 
especially when we were first sorting all the things out, was figuring out what sort of things we could do, like as far as overnights or travel or, uh, you know, PDAs with other people and that sort of thing. And initially our, our rules and boundaries were a lot tighter. And then as we settled in and, and got more comfortable, it, you know, kind of all bets were off really. <laughs> um, and for some things it's ended up, you know, working out really well to loosen these things because things like, for example, the, the public displays of affection, I'm not really big on doing that in public. I, I really know a little smooch here and there, sure, but you know, I don't, I'm, I'm just not super physically affectionate in those situations. And Flick enjoys that quite a lot. And he has other partners that like to do that too. So he gets to have that without me needing to do it. So it ends <laughs> up working out really well as, as a thing that, that, um, that he gets to have something that I'm not comfortable giving. And even with overnights, uh, initially we were like, nope, you know, I need you to sleep in my bed. And, and then just, yeah, as time went on and it's certainly not something we do very often, but it's, yeah, we sort of figured out what the need was that, that sleeping together in the bed fulfills. Right. Yeah. And once we knew that that connection was still there and, those pieces were were present, then it didn't have to be like your body in the bed with me. It, you know, could get just make sure we we renew that connection and then everything feels good and and those those things like overnights aren't aren't stressful for us anymore. But that's usually the key to those those jealousies or or those pieces is is like figuring out what need isn't getting met. Well we've talked about this before where you can have a rule and that is intended to meet a need. Yeah. And then you end up following the rule, but failing to meet the yeah. need. Yeah. So in one of the big issues, uh, you know, around open relationships and, you know, playing with others is obviously body autonomy and play times. Now consent is, is a bigger subject mm -hmm. that we could probably spend a whole episode talking about, but, you know, in particular, um, there's there's a thing in um in open circles and especially swinging where there there's kind of a certain degree of implied ownership over our partner's yeah. bodies you know and it's it's not it's not always just you know uh the you know the 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 fucking patriarchy um it's there's you know there's there's a mutual ownership yes. over each other's bodies which can be very problematic yeah yeah, and this this did come up recently. We were at a play party, and uh, I was blowing flick, and it was this lovely, sexy scene. And a woman approached and asked uh, asked me if she could join in to bite uh, to bite his thighs while while I was blowing him, and I was I was pretty taken aback. And just kind of looked at her and I was like, it, it's his body. <laughs> Ask him. And I was, I have to, I have to admit, I was like really kind of offended and upset and stressed out about this. And she kind of asked like another time, like she sort of got in there and was, was doing stuff once he had 
consented and then, you know, asked me again about something else. And I was just like, it's his body. He gets to decide. And, and she, you know, she expressed that she just wasn't sure, you know, we're, she didn't know us. We're new to the, to that particular play space and she didn't know what our play style was. And, you know, quite often, I guess in, in, in these circles, you know, it's kind of the woman who's deciding how far and how fast things go along. And I just, all I could think of is how furious, like just raging, spitting mad I would be if a man had come up and asked Flick if he could do stuff to me. (laughs) And... Yeah, it was a it was a weird situation. It was a weird situation, and you know, and and the interesting thing is that I, I'm not even sure what her best and safest approach would be, because yeah. you know there there were some problems with her asking you about doing something to me, but um, there are there are a lot of there are a lot of people who if she had come up and asked me. Um, the, you know, my, my female partner would have been outraged at having, you know, another woman in her space without asking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, maybe the best thing to do would have been to ask both of us. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, even though it's my body, she's also in, you know, encroaching in your space. Yeah. And I think, I, I think really it, the more I thought about it, it was a little bit of a, a kind of no win yes. <laughs> uh, situation to to figure out how to approach it. But I think, yeah, asking us like, "Hey, you two, this is a really sexy scene. Would you be interested in me joining in and doing such and such?" And then she could like look at both of us and and engage, sort of you know, and then we could sort interest. it out between us, yeah. you know, who who actually is allowed to answer this question, or, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or, you know, come up to you and say, you know, this is really sexy and I'd like to do this to you if that if you were interested. And then looking at me, if you dissented to say, but I'm going to be in your space, do you mind if I join you kind of thing? So, like, you know, checking with one yeah. and checking with the other. Or, you know, or even or even the other way around, you know, honestly might be the, the you know, not knowing somebody, it might be the safer approach would be to 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 say to you, you know, hey, uh, if he if he wants me to, would it be okay if I Yeah. And I, that actually that that actually would be really great because it's it's affirming that it's really up to him yeah. that about the decision being made. So yeah, if, if he was interested, would you like this to happen? Yeah. And, you know, I appreciated that she, she was asking and she didn't just come up yeah. and jump in and, and all these things. But I just, I, all I could think of was if it was the gender swap and, and the man and how, how furious I would be and, and, and I, you know, whether it's whether it's less of a a stressor when a when a it's a man's body in play because there's not the implicit ownership of men's bodies by no, it's society, true. Yeah. and so I'm more sensitive to it because of the fucking patriarchy. But um, <laughs> well, I mean, either, see the the whole the whole discussion brings up a lot of messy things. Yeah. You know, one of the things is you know. Um, a lot of the time people will ask a man's female partner because 
there is this assumption oh yeah that guys are up for it and yeah. this is this is a thing that i do not like i do not like being unexpectedly touched the you know the assumption being that you know i'm going to be down um because i am not necessarily right yeah. and um you know and you know and i almost feel like there's there's kind of this uh kind of toxic um masculinity aspect to it where you know the assumption is you know oh if you're a real man you're gonna be you're gonna be yeah, down right? no matter what um and there is also the reverse of that which is um which is women as crazy bitches and possessive yeah. right so it's like well i better ask his wife because i don't want to get my eyes scratched out yeah um and in general, there's this assumption of women as being the gatekeepers in swinging. Yeah. Yeah. And in that, that particular community, that's, that's a really prevalent attitude. And the assumption, I think, that women are probably not up for it or don't really want to be there or mm -hmm. all of this kind of thing are doing this stuff grudgingly and... And I just like, I'm just such a hell yeah for, for these scenarios and being in sexy spaces. And, you know, it, it, I just find it really frustrating that, that my, that my desires are kind of negated by a lot of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. This assumption that, you know, that I wouldn't really want this. And that's, yeah, and that's tricky. And the idea of, yeah, just being like a possessive, you know, crazy bitch is, um, yeah, not, not a thing I love people thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, um, probably the, you know, one of the best cures to this is to meet, you know, is to get to know people. Yes. Before approaching them. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for spontaneity. Like, that That ended up being super hot. And it, yeah. was, it was really, you know, a, a wonderful evening. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and she she took a risk and, um, you know, and it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't hold it against her. Like I was, I was kind of taken aback and a bit shocked, but I didn't then like, Hey, fuck you, get out of here <laughs> kind of thing. Um, because I knew, you know, what she was asking if Blick was into it was something he would really like. And, you know, if he was into her doing that stuff to her, to him, um, I knew that it would be really hot. And so, and he does very much enjoy a pile of women on him. <laughs> um, <laughs> That was like Jonathan Harker. Uh, <laughs> <fantasies>. <laughs> oh man! I'm just I'm thinking, yeah, just dirty segue to the the orgy we just had on the weekend for our <laughs> for our wedding anniversary, and I looked over and he was he was covered in a pile of women, and I just I just chuckled at at what a happy space he was in, and it's a and, tough life, folks. <laughs> It is is a really I suffer. But I definitely I had the picture of of the sort of demonic Dracula brides <laughs> yeah. swarming you, you know, in all the best ways. <laughs> or the scene from uh, what we do in the shadows where Jemaine is is covered yeah. with the Vlad Vlad is yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you should watch what we do in the shadows. Yeah. We've drifted a little bit from our core topic, um, but you know maybe we should we should circle back. You know, um, autonomy. Autonomy often comes up 
in open relationships because rules or boundaries have been breached or, you know, something has gone wrong. Essentially, mistakes have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes there's the question of, you know, when and how to tell your partner. Yeah. Yeah, that can be really difficult because sometimes if you're like if you're in the middle of, you know, a play party or or a situation like, you know, traveling and and that sort of thing, there can be a thought that okay, let's wait for another time when we can actually have a discussion about this. I don't want to like my my partner's over there having a a great time and if I walk up and and explain that this thing has happened that might derail the whole evening. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to kill the vibe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, another situation which in some ways is very similar is, you know, I remember um a while back when um when I was, you know, I was over at, at a at a friend's house and um and you you know, you thought I would, you know, sort of text you earlier and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and I, I would often find myself, you know, in that situation where I didn't really want to like go and pick up my phone and kind of really emphasize the fact that, okay, I need to be in contact with my wife. And so, you know, it created this sort of, uh, discord in how we understood the, the, the rules of communication. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and thankfully we kind of ended up working that out and, and sort of, you know, talking about, um, um, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was problematic because yeah, like, I, it's like, I want to be respectful to the person I'm, I'm with. Um, and probably, you know, I'm, I, I, I really kind of overcorrected because obviously she knows that I'm married. Yeah. And so the idea of texting my wife is, is really not out of the question. Yeah. And yet there's kind of this holdover from monogamy where it's like, okay, I just got to pretend that I, yeah. I don't have a wife to, you know, and, uh, yeah. So, um, it was, it was a real, it was a real awkward situation. Yeah. And it's interesting because if, if you were out on a date, you probably wouldn't hesitate to talk about me. Yeah, exactly. Yet yeah. in, in those, in those moments, it seems weird to be like, Oh, I just got to check in with, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, that it, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Well, and and it's funny because I it, I in a way I almost feel like, you know, part of it was maybe tangled up in the question of autonomy in that I don't I I didn't want uh, my partner to feel like I needed to check in and get permission yeah. and you know, um you know, I just wanted them to to you know, I, I didn't want anything to to erode the feeling that everything was okay yeah. and that I was focused on her. Yeah. And I, I can definitely see that. And, and I got less sensitive as we got more comfortable yeah. to those connections. Um, one of the advantages of, of being a woman and having a tiny bladder is you can do this sneak off to the bathroom because <laughs> you always have to pee and, you know, do your quick little text from the loo and <laughs> go from there. <laughs> I have never done that, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so one one of the big issues that uh, that can come up in in relation to autonomy is safer sex practices, mm-hmm. where we may have 
different expectations. Number one, maybe I want to be fluid bonded with another partner, or even if not, maybe, you know, you think we should be using full barriers for, you know, oral and manual stimulation. Whereas I feel like, you know, maybe we only need it for PIV or PIA. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and so, you know, uh, again, I, I kind of go back to, um, you, you want to negotiate this if you can, but ultimately you get to decide what to do with your body, but your partner also does. So you might decide, okay, I want a fluid bond with this person and your partner might, might say, well, I'm not super comfortable with that. And so, uh, I feel like we should start using barriers as long as you are, are yeah. not using barriers with this person. Yeah. And I think that's, that's very much it is there's, you have the right and the autonomy to d- decide for yourself what you want to do. But yeah, the other person gets the, like, there's the, the consequences thing and, yep. and you're, the other person gets, gets that ability to, decide what works for them in that situation. And you might've been previously fluid bonded and they decide, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not willing to, to be fluid bonded with this other person because that's how it works. (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, making different choices for, for the practices, uh, beyond that. And, and I can see that that could have a lot of emotional, difficulties in those situations, but it can definitely come up. And and even times when we've had situations where a condom has fallen off and it's like surprise fluid bond, um, <laughs> that, you know, we might change up the way that, that, you know, we do things like use some extra barriers until we have had a chance to, to get some retests and, and that sort of thing done. Um, so, you know, sometimes those, those changes will be temporary mm-hmm. in, in response to something like that, or, you know, moments where due to ignorance about things like breast milk, we, <laughs> um, ended up fluid bonded with, with hot mama, uh, because we just had no idea about that. And again, you know, we had all been you know, doing our testing and doing our safer sex practices. So it didn't end up being an issue, but it was just sheer ignorance on our part. Yeah, it could have been. Um, that it could have been, or the time that I ended up with a face full of menstrual blood. Um, <laughs> and, um, that, you know, going down on someone, um, who was unexpectedly spotting and me not even noticing until yeah. I turned to, to kiss flick and he got the, the vampire from True Blood, uh, with a face full of gore and, um, <laughs> bearing your fangs at me. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, these, these moments come up and then you just need to sort of make decisions as where to go from there. Yeah. I, a really, a real quick, uh, public service announcement. Um, I had, uh, a few, um, condom mishaps in, you know, fairly close together. And the, uh, the, the solution, which has worked perfectly since then is make sure that you are not overly lubricated before you put the condom off, wipe off any excess lube, you know, just make sure that you're before you put the condom on. Sorry. Yeah. Before you put the condom on. Yeah. Just make sure that you are not too slippery because that, that is, uh, absolutely what, what led to those. And, and ever since then I've, I've, you know, corrected for that. It, it has not been a problem. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. 
Um, another area of autonomy is uh, is changing needs. Mm. You know, you have the right to ask for something different, for ask for the rules to be different, for ask, ask for things to, to change. A lot of the time, um, people will will kind of act like the rules were written in stone and brought down yeah. from the mountain. And it's, you know, and, and so, you know, we might end up having a, a you know, a, a tricky conversation and one of us might, you know, fall back on the rules. It's like, well, the rule says this, yeah. this is our rule. Well, why is that our rule? Let's talk about why and talk about what we actually want out of this. The, yeah. the rule is, the rule is largely meaningless. Everything is, is really always up for negotiation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an autonomous being, you have the right to change your mind. To change your mind. Yeah. yeah. And change your mind like in the middle of a sex act yeah. or, you know, any of those sorts of things. Like it's not even big picture. Like this is what I thought I wanted out of things and this is what I now want. But like, yeah, I said yes to this particular thing happening and now I don't want that thing happening. Uh, and you get to decide to stop that thing and walk away, like no matter how far into it you are. And, we we actually talked about that at the the play party on the weekend mm -hmm. um, in the in the welcome circle as just like an extra reminder to people of like no matter how far you into something you are you get to stop it at any point if you don't like what's happening yeah. and there's so much pressure on people to once they start going through with something that is like well you know major bed got a lie in it kind of thing. Um, and, and it's just simply not true. It might be inconvenient. And there might be consequences and someone might freak out and all of that sort of thing, but it's still, you absolutely have the right to do that in those moments. I feel like that was a really great thing to circulate because in particular, one of the guests said that, you know, she, she had a tendency to kind of get carried away. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so she, she might end up going, going along with things. And so, you know, knowing that it is safe and encouraged for you to, to check in with yourself and, and decide, you know, whether or not this is something you, you still want to keep doing, let alone whether, yeah. whether you want to, uh, to do it. do it at all. Yeah. And that was another interesting thing in that moment where she said that she likes to check in with her partner in those moments because she knows that she gets carried away. Mm. And so she gauges by his response sort of where she is in that moment. And and part of me had that sort of resistant, like, but you get to decide what to do with your body. <laughs> but I think she knew herself well enough to know that she sometimes did things that she didn't necessarily like wasn't necessarily in the headspace for, but she was just so caught up in the sexy moment so she just had an external check, which yeah. she absolutely has the right to do. Well, and, and they, that's, that's a really, they're, they're a really interesting, um, you know, relationship on, on this subject because, you know, they definitely have very different speeds as yeah. far as play. And, you know, and she is, uh, you know, by, by all appearances, completely comfortable 
you know, going at whatever pace he is happy to set. Yeah. You know, there, there doesn't seem to be any resentment or resistance. And she, you know, she's just so, you know, she's obviously so, so in love with her husband and just so happy to, you know, uh, to be, to participate in whatever he is up for. Because, you know, I, I think on her own, she would be largely game for anything, but, mm-hmm. you know, but he's, he's a little more monogamish, you know, a little yeah. more, you know, a little more sort of, you know, conservative about, about their play sort of, you know, once in a while and not separately. And, and she seems to be super supportive and totally okay with that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, if, if you're going to go at a different speed, that is, that is certainly the, the best way to do it, you know, just just com- you know, with complete, um, you know, with complete acceptance and buy-in, um, exercising your own autonomy and and mm-hmm. uh, going at your partner's pace. Yeah. Um, another thing that actually, you know, we we kind of touched on a little bit, um, but has some some other implications is, you know, uh, other partners. You know, um, mm. it's not unusual for uh, for people to have expectations like. Um, it, uh, we're a package deal. Yes. If you're going to play with me, you got to play with my partner. Yeah. Um, and, uh, or, you know, or even to the extent of if you're going to have a relationship with me, you have to have a relationship with my partner. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's putting a lot on somebody. Oh, for you know, sure. It's, it's like, uh, you know, leveraging, leveraging my affection and my my attention you know with with this um yeah I, d- I don't know i don't know that any good comes of that no i think it's it's really unfair and there's definitely i think some potential consent violation <laughs> happening there or or not or like like pressure kind of Coercion. Coercion, that's the word I was trying to think of, um, that, that comes up in those situations. So, yeah, and I, I think especially in those sort of, you know, triad type dynamics with a unicorn and, and that kind of thing, it, you know, this, this can come up where, where the person isn't really thought of as their own being. They're just kind of this extension of the relationship. They don't get to have other relationships or, things that that people can put on that. Um, And I think as, as a couple, we've tried to be really conscious of that and, and conscious of how our rules and boundaries affect other people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because if, if I came down with a, you don't get to fall in love with other people or, or the veto as the classic, you know, deciding you don't get to have a relationship with this other person after the two of you have, have connected in whatever way you do, then I'm taking away the rights of this other person to make decisions. And I, yeah, that, that isn't cool with me. (laughs) And I, you know, I think it's something that, you have to be really aware of that the the other people in your partner's life are going to be these you know autonomous individuals who who have needs and rights of their own and obviously you can't you know live your life for them too but just being really conscious of of how your decisions and your rules might affect other people well and and it's it can even go um 
there there are subtler ways that this can pop up too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, we've talked about, you know, obliging somebody to have a relationship with with your partner. Yeah. But sometimes that relationship is a soft relationship, like a metamor relationship. True. True. Some, you know, uh, some people it's like, well, you have to meet my partner yeah. before we can play or you, you know, you need to know each other and need to be in communication. And Yeah, and sometimes even like you need to like each other. You need to t- hang out and get along. Yep, you need to get along. And, and, you know, my feeling is that everybody has the right to decide what level of interaction they have with their metamorphs, just mm-hmm. like with any other relationship in their life. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and my, my, like sometimes people ask me, oh, you know, do you, do you, um, do you need to, to meet, um, uh, my partner or, you know, and uh, do you expect me to, to meet your wife? And, and I say, well, our, our feelings about that are pretty much whatever feels comfortable. Yeah. Right. Like I, it's not obliged, but we are, we're perfectly willing to, yeah. to meet people and, and, uh, get to know them. Yeah. And we have like, we do that with, with people where we, we see that connection could really work. Um, and we don't, if it's just doesn't feel like that's what we want well, or what they want. Yeah. Well, I, I remember inviting, um, you know, one of your metamors, uh, for, for dinner, um, you know, you were, you were seeing her husband and we started chatting and so I invited mm. her out for dinner and you went for, I think you saw him maybe three more times and I've been seeing her for over a year now. So, <laughs> so sometimes those things can, can work out pretty well. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, yeah, like you, you, you get to choose whether mm-hmm. you want to meet somebody or not. Yeah. You know, so, so ultimately autonomy means that, uh, that you get to decide for yourself. You choose who you play with and how, but as a caring partner, you take their feelings into consideration because mm-hmm. autonomy does not mean autonomy from consequences. Yes. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WebcoastCat, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. You can email us info at OnTheWetCoast.com. You can read Kat's blog at OnTheWetCoast.com or on LifeOnTheSwingSet.com under the blog title On The Wet Coast. You can also hear a lot more of Kat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous. Available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. Our theme music is A Naked Gun Bank Assault by Francesco D'Andrea. Episode music is Puzzle Pieces by Lee Rosebeer. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Wicked Pictures contract star and director Jessica Drake. You're listening to a Swing Set podcast on Swing Set FM.